Welcome to Fourth Times the Chibbity Dibbity Charm, the only podcast where every week is a brand new concept. I am your producer, Ben, alongside your director, Matt. This is episode 20 freaking 7. Woo! Best spot to enter in the Royal Rumble. I, is that still true? I, I think there's at least one other number that is now tied 27. It, it, it's true enough that they'll still say it on commentary. That is such an annoying number to me. Because, like, four people won a 27. But the last person to win a 27 was in, I think, 1998 or something. Wait, don't and they it's you... never happened since. I feel like they give 27 to, like, a joke spot sometimes now, too. They honestly don't pay attention to it at all. Except for in commentary. We'll get to it. If you're in a Royal Rumble, basically... Just don't get anywhere between, like, number 5 and number 15. And then you at least have an okay shot of winning. You have the potential. That's right. It's like, someone from 14 won within the past few years. But who cares? Because it's WWE and no one watches it anyway. Yeah, and if you're confused or wondering what we're talking about right now, get ready for the rest of the episode. That's right. So, we are coming off a big Thanksgiving week. We uh, stuffed ourselves full, made everyone sick, had family over. I was thankful beyond words for the whole experience and the great time I had with my family. And so with all of that time off, well spent and thoroughly enjoyed so we can recharge our batteries and get back to work today, we're going to talk about... (laughs) Something that's well within my wheelhouse. We are going to be talking about pro wrestling. Woo, I'm game. Down to I'm ready. End of the year. I'm going to do uh, one of the first year end reviews because not a lot of people listen to this. So I figured if we're going to do a wrestling year end review, we might as well be the first ones out there because looking ahead to December, there's not a ton that I think are going to change Mm-hmm. the the stats i have heading into uh and, and don't this. worry this is this is only the beginning of review month you're gonna Boy, see that sounds you're gonna, like a threat <laughs> yeah it is it is a threat you're gonna see a review of our top albums you might even see a review of our top films of the year and not necessarily new films that came out just our top films of this year but who knows it might about be films enough no we haven't there's no such thing as talking too much about film you have a film degree um, we're also going to talk about my favorite books of the year. Cause Ben doesn't read. Ca-ca! And, and before we get. Yeah, man. The silence is pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I, I was, gonna, I, I was, I was going to lead in Matt. So, so finish up with. No, no, I'm good. Here. I'm, I'm done. Really? Cause you thought it was important enough to interrupt me before. No, no, I just thought it was important to interrupt you. Okay. Okay, so this is all your fault. Great. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I'm keeping the flow smooth. All right. God, I can already hear your computer clicks I'm going to have to edit out later. I'm not Damn even... You I even touched my keyboard. It's your mouse. I hear it. Right, I okay, hear the on, clickety-clack. Huh? Tell me if you hear this. Yes. Yes, I do hear it. How do you hear that? I do. It doesn't even show up on the waveform. It's there, though. It is there. Anyone who wonders what that small clicking noise is in the audio, because I hear it, that's Matt. 
And I've been trying to get him to stop and he won't. He can't stop and he won't stop. Like that song from the mid-2000s. I have to click on things. Like, we got notes and documents. Well, note silently. Before we get into today's show, everyone, I'd like to remind you that you can be like Brennan and you can be our biggest fan and we won't uh, yell at you anymore and scare you away like we did the last one. No, I will. In the meantime, uh, if you would like to be our biggest fan within the next week, you need to message us on any way that we're able to see it and tell us the two secret characters from the WWF Royal Rumble game on Dreamcast. Yeah. I don't have a joke about that one. I was going to make one and then I almost like said Serpentico. Serpentico's great. We're going to get to Serpentico. We're going to get to Serpentico right now because it's time for the Pro Wrestling 2021 Year in Review brought to you by Fourth Times the Shot. Or one day it could be brought to you by you. Just contact us. Welcome to the Year End Roundup. Review for... Roundup, baby. Episode Yeah, I, I guess time. this would be a Review Roundup. No, this, this is part of the Review Roundup cycle of programming. And so we are going to be talking about the world of pro wrestling in the year 2021. Before we get started, to preface, Matt and I mainly watch American pro wrestling you're going to notice in these awards, I've essentially omitted Mexico and New Japan, or Mexico and Japan entirely, just because I haven't followed them closely enough this year to give really worthwhile thoughts. I mean, Okada, Shingo Takage, they're, they're incredible, amazing wrestlers, but outside of the shows they've been doing in America, I've not been keeping up with them because the weird crowds who can't clap situation in japan is very unsettling to watch so forgive me in advance and this episode might be unsettling because we're about to fellatiate aew auditorily yeah also another caveat (laughs) is that unlike a few years ago where the indies were alive and well the indie wrestling scene is doing amazing right now but the king of kings right now is all elite wrestling wwe has had a substantial drop off since pre-pandemic and quality um impact wrestling i have been following but i haven't yeah but i i haven't uh i haven't received the same level of interest i haven't gotten the same level of interest out of Impact Wrestling, they have AEW. So, this is a very AEW-centric list. There are a few exceptions in my list, but before we get started, y'all should know, freaking love AEW. So, that yeah. is going to be, like, a heavy favorite in here, though I think they have earned at least most of these um, accolades here. Yeah, I, I mean, I think our opinions are justified and come from a place of, like, honest review. Um, but I know from spending time on the internet that there are people who 
if they actually listen to this, will call us AEW stands. Yeah, um, and I mean, to you, I, I say you're as vindi- you're as vindictive and vindicated and idolized as we are. Know that you're just the same thing you're railing against, and that's why it bothers you. Well, also they'd be right because we are AEW stands. Yeah, but we're um, right because it's the best product. The other product's bad. That's well, like calling someone not, a stand. That's, all... like so- that's like calling compared someone to... a stand for good donuts compared to Com- like dumpster. Compared to WWE, yes, but WWE has had some minimal but a few highlights this year yeah and and i i I occasionally got great fried potato bites from the dunkin donuts that was under the train station at college but i wouldn't go there every day and nor would it be my preferred venue for breakfast snacks the the biggest blind spot i think we're going to have in this list is that uh, impact wrestling's women's division is really good and i've not followed it closely enough to willingly put some of those women's wrestlers up for my woman of the year position. Sure. Yeah. I understand. So I, so the, there are a lot of great women on that roster, like, uh, like Deanna Prazo, Tennille Dashwood, mm-hmm. uh, Chelsea green, who just joined uh, Jordan grace. Who's awesome. But I just haven't followed their 2021 in depth enough to feel like okay, they they've earned this. Uh, also, Sue Young, Rosemary, they're all great, but they're yep. not my woman of the year. And I'm gonna say my woman of the year is going to probably piss every single person off who's listening to this. So we have not that me. to look forward to. Yeah, my all of my picks might piss people off. That's kind of my objective. So because not too many people care about us, we're going to try and keep this succinct we have about 15 or so categories here <laughs> that's a great way to start out right it's like it's like these the, yeah, these the tw- are awards the 20, we know you don't 27th care. times the charm where ben and i try to keep things short yeah right so we're going to start nice and easy we're going to start with commentary of the year it definitely mm. is an impact this is better right? than this is better than the oscars let me tell you what yeah, so we each have our own picks. My pick for commentary of the year is going to be Taz and Excalibur on AEW Dark every week. Taz and Excalibur have gotten that same level of energy that Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon did back in the day when they were doing commentary over squash matches on WWF Superstars back in the early 90s. It's just whimsical, great commentary, and you watch the show... Not for the wrestling, but for the commentary. And I feel like Taz and Excalibur are the only commentary team today where they are more entertaining than the in-ring product that they're being put up against. And the in-ring product isn't bad at the same time. No, no, not at all. But they are the reason why people watch AEW Dark. And I feel like that says volumes over how good of a team they are funny Taz is how Excalibur is able to flip flop between comedy and also being able to genuinely call a match. They have this perfect mix of knowing when to take a match seriously, when to let loose and have some fun with it. And I think that that's been the biggest revelation across over the pandemic era over the no fans era, I guess I Mm -hmm. should say is just how good these two are together. Yeah, I I completely agree. And 
And to, to round about it, which is the most obvious thing in the world, they're also my pick for the best commentary of the year. Um, I think they're genuinely one of the most entertaining things in wrestling. I, I'm a weird person, I think, in a lot of situations where I love commentary in wrestling, especially when it's bad. I'm like a secretly a big fan of like Michael Cole and the whole WWE commentary style. Really? If you enjoy, if you watch it and listen to it as like an absurdist, insane, like you take everything very literally, you pay very close attention to it. It is tremendously ridiculous. And I find it hilarious. It's the only way okay. I get through watching WWE anything. Um, and I'm the type of person who loves commentary on things like, I like watching sports with commentary more than I like watching sports in person. Um, I find good commentary to be one of the best things. I watched the professional League of Legends for as long as I did exclusively because I like the commentary team. And uh, Excalibur and Taz have that same that same energy, that same vibe. And I, I adore it. I will say the worst commentary I've ever heard was at WWE Survivor Series this year. Well, uh, maybe like, not the worst commentary ever, but that was my, that's my worst of the year. I'm jumping ahead. The worst commentary of the year was that team. I don't know who was on it. It was deplorable. It took it, it, it took me out of out, the wrestling. I think. I, I Whatever. They were all so bad. I see it, but so like, my worst commentary of the year is I'm gonna say WWE Raw, but yeah. NXT's is also pretty well, bad. N- NXT I, 2.0 or old NXT. It's the same commentary team, and okay. I don't like both of them. And I, I think all of the people on the commentary desks are extremely talented. Corey Graves yeah. is a generational talent on commentary. I agree. If he I, was I on AEW, he'd be doing wonders. Yeah, and when he was on NXT, he did great. But I feel like on both Raw and NXT, everyone who's on it is very competent. But at the same time, it's grading all of the WWE superstars and presented by and championship opportunity. And as Raw rolls on and NXT is just as bad on this as Raw is. So the only reason I'm ranking NXT above Raw is that I like Wade Barrett. Yeah, but Wade Barrett's awesome. I, but I also think Beth Phoenix's commentary is really grating. So, I don't know. Maybe they belong on the same level. It's kind of tied for bottom of the barrel. Yeah, it's it's not any fault of the people on commentary. But when you compare Taz and Excalibur, who are able mm-hmm. to riff, then stop, know when to treat a match seriously, give weight behind something... Like, that is a commentary team where you could place them on Dynamite, you could place them on Pay-Per-View, and it's going to work. And I I mean, I think Haven't that... Haven't they? <laughs> it, well, I mean, my favorite commentator of all time is Tony Schiavone. Of course like, it is. by a mile, number one with a bullet. And I love his AEW run because I think that's really helped reestablish his legacy that was tarnished in many people's eyes by WCW, but not mine. But I feel like if you're looking at a pure duo, the duo of Excalibur and Taz is just magical. If you look at Raw and NXT, the it's just it's just as lifeless as the show because they mm-hmm. need to use the same hackneyed phrases, the same terminology. It doesn't sound like people talking about a show. It sounds like people 
who are reading off a script, which isn't exactly what they're doing. They're having it yelled to them. And yeah. it, I, I feel like when I was watching NXT versus AEW, when they were both head to head on Wednesday nights, the biggest issue with number one with the bullet, once again, was the NXT commentary because it sounded so fake and so yeah. forced because well, no one says superstar the way they say superstar. No yeah. one does this. Weird well, they have they have specific thing. words they won't even say. There's like specific. Right. Like, it's like Disney. I mean, the I, first. I mean, I, mean, I don't how watch many times, Matt. I, I didn't listen to the commentary at Survivor Series because I was there. How many times did someone do Mark. a move and they said planted? I can't even. It was too many. Or like that was devastating. Whoa! Like the first thing that that I that came out like of either five you, or six pre-approved yeah. words that oh, they yeah. can use for anything. Well, they can't. They can't. There, nothing has like like. Oh, I don't think he got all of that one. Or oh, that was nasty. They would never say anything that implies that the person's actually hurt. Hurt. It's all like very co- like co- cookie cutter and like clean cut. And I remember the first thing that came out of either either my mouth or Nick's mouth when we turned tuned into Survivor Series was I didn't remember wrestling looking so plastic and fake. It was like watching a bad Marvel movie. All right, next up is Rising Star of the Year. Uh, someone who started as closer to a zero and ended the year more of a hero. This one for me, I really tried to do someone less obvious. Mm-hmm. But I feel Same. like if you look at the wrestling landscape, there's one name which strikes out as the rising star of the year, especially the last half of this year, and that is AEW's Dante Martin. Ooh, okay. Not my answer. I, uh, you so, got good. me there. Good. Dante Martin started the year, his brother Darius out with a knee injury, for the first several months of the year, he was just doing matches on Dark, had great hops, but but wasn't showing much in terms of personality or stringing a lot together. He was a part of a six-man tag against the Elite in mm-hmm. the middle of this year. Huge breakout moment, took Kenny and the Bucks to the limit, and since then, his stock has shot up. He's entered a relationship with Leo Rush and now Team Taz, which is a really compelling story. He's cleaned up his act in the ring. He's super young. He is has the highest hops of any wrestler I've ever seen in my entire life. And he still looks doe-eyed, but they've managed to make it into a way that it's kind of endearing in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. The dude jumps so high in the air off the ropes that he goes out of camera frame back into camera frame. Beautiful. His tag match with Leo Rush against Lee Moriarty, who is also a big candidate for Rising Star of the Year. Mm -hmm. And Matt Seidel was like watching people fight each other in Dragon Ball Z, but for real. He is so indescribably talented. And this is like, he just had his first year anniversary of being signed to AEW. So, I mean, Amazing. I'd say the sky's the limit, but he's already gone into space. So, we're going to see where things land for him. But what a year for Dante Martin. What do you think, Matt? So, I, I agree. Dante Martin is an absolutely fantastic wrestler. I think he is representative of the future of pro wrestling um, in a in a way that things are going to shift, I think, to, to be more, more insane. 
when it comes to the physicality and the dynamics of the performers. Um, but I had a, uh, I took a different angle with it. I, I took this to not necessarily in regards to what would be considered the individual who rised the most in the hearts of the wrestling community. I picked the person whose stock rose the highest for me personally. Okay. And, and that's how I feel like all award shows should be voted on. And there was one person who, who this year really turned turned it around for me. I, I, I really did not really, you know, get down with this guy in the past. And I think after a series of matches, high-profile performances, and arguably one of the best AEW pay-per-view matches I've ever seen, my rising star of the year is Eddie Kingston. Bro, if Eddie Kingston heard that you gave him rising star of the year, he'd drive to your house and beat the shit out of you. Yeah, and I'd spit in his mouth while he did it. Yeah, Eddie Kingston is... <laughs> and, and I'm going to talk more about him later. Ooh, spicy. But Eddie Kingston, I feel like over 2020 and 2021, has proved any potential doubter of his wrong and I feel like this yeah, year, hundred percent. I feel like last year we saw okay, he can talk. Twenty twenty one, we got to see that in the right scenario, he can still go, and he can, can tell, go super hard, like yeah, in a very like, compelling way. Like he he finally to me realized the character he was playing, and like I've never I've I haven't gone I haven't turned this hard on a, on a wrestler like a veteran. Yeah, hundred percent a veteran. But in the stock of like being like a well-rounded pre- presentation or character in AEW, he's achieved that in 2021, especially in the yeah. latter half of this year. I, I think with Eddie Kingston in 2021, what really changed for him was he figured out how to wrestle in a way that worked for him and pleased fans mm-hmm. while also taking into account the damage that's already been done on his body. What I think honestly, what it might've been is less him and more that just now that we have crowds again, that are rabid for Eddie, it just makes his matches better. I honestly yeah. think that might be well, it. He, I because, think he earned his per- spot with his talking long enough yes. that people were ready for him to actually wrestle. And now that they're seeing the style of wrestling he can do, and I think he probably, trained a lot more and got into a healthier spot and with the crowd and the love from the company, I, I, if he feels more motivated. I, that I don't think so from reading everything about Eddie Kingston. Oh, I'm, but, I'm taking this at face value. Fuck the yeah, news articles. Um, I don't know but, anything about what's going on on the outside of the ring. For, for Eddie, Eddie, I feel like... I, I feel like for Eddie, 2021 was the year where it was like, okay, he's not just a guy on his way out who can talk. He's a guy who can still go right now. What One of the things that I saw someone write about Eddie, that's true, and I felt it every time I've seen him wrestle live this year, is that other wrestlers, people want to cheer them, people like them. Mm. When Eddie Kingston comes out, people feel like they need to cheer him. When Moxley and Kingston came out at Double or Nothing 2021, Moxley Ooh. was popular, sure. But Kingston was the one the crowd wanted to cheer for because he's their guy. Everyone knows what he's gone through to get to this point. 
And I feel like in the crowd, it's the Mm -hmm. sense of he has such a tough exterior that we need to cheer even louder to show him how much we really love him and get behind him and want to support him. And, and, and that's something that I, I don't think we've really seen in a, in a wrestler, like even Eddie yeah. Guerrero, it's, it's sort of like that same feeling of like, he's one of us, but with Eddie Kingston, it's like, he doesn't want it in a way. And that makes you want to cheer him more to force him to acknowledge your love. Yeah. It, it's like, it's like the, it's the polar opposite to what's happening to Cody. We want him to understand that we hate him. And that he's not a face, but he refuses to accept it and keeps being a face. And the opposite is true for Eddie, where everyone wants him to know that we love him and he hates us for cheering him. My my honorable mention for this pick was Jungle Boy, because I love yeah. that guy. Yeah, Jungle Boy's freaking awesome. And I was going to uh, say Keith Lee, a... and then he got annihilated out of the sky by <laughs> getting released. Yeah. I, I feel like Jungle Boy had an awesome year. It's just Dante Martin shot up so much. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, especially because that because that match, that trios match you mentioned. Like yeah. I, I even like as like a as casual a fan as I am, like that like permeated the wrestling world. So let's move on. Let's move on to most underrated of the year. And yeah. Matt, I know my most underrated is going to ruffle some feathers. Who is your most underrated wrestler of twenty twenty one? Eddie Kingston. <laughs> okay, I don't I don't know if underrated's the right word. Honestly, the 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 pocket pick I would say is Kenny Omega because people didn't understand the state he was actually wrestling in. Yeah, that's and a going, good one. Going back and rewatching his performances across the year with in mind the medical state he was in throughout this course of 2021. Yeah. But I'm saying specifically in this one, because this year was as at a point where it's actually making him do something about it. And like looking at just his performance in capsule, because I watched, I watched a couple like highlight AEW matches today. Like to get like hyped up and like watching Kenny in 2019 and 2020 and 2021 you can see him adapting more and more to his condition, which is making him a safer safer wrestler and making his style look a little bit more fluid. But then when you go back and rewatch how he performs in the past, you see the same wrestler, but you can tell that he's a hurt individual. And I think it's he, despite being one of the best wrestlers of the year, if not the best wrestler of the year, um, is largely underrated for that aspect of things. And he didn't yeah, wrestle. I, he wrestled 17 matches this year. Or yeah, seven, with, with, with Kenny over Omega, 20 matches. It, it's in hindsight one of those things where you see him walking around on vlogs and you see him reacting to moves in certain ways and you're like, wow, is he selling? Like, that looks like it hurts. It's like, yeah, he can barely move. Truly, he has, he I, has vertigo. I think, He's been dizzy for the last 20 minutes. I think we're going to look back on Kenny Omega's 2021 as as maybe the best working through an injury of all time. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, just the level he put himself through. I don't know what some of the like four pillars in All Japan or what some of the guys in New Japan dealt with back in the day, but I, I think given how open he is about what he's been going through, I think this is truly like all timer 
work by Kenny Omega and cements himself as one of the best of all time. Um, My underrated star of the year, pretty much the opposite end of the spectrum, Matt. I chose Cody Rhodes. You fucking Mark. No, I think Cody Rhodes's work right now where he's essentially doing a Homelander. He is a heel who thinks he's a face. Right, okay. I take it the same way. I think it's all character work. I think this, this is, is long, all, no, long-term it's, storytelling done it is. beautifully. It 100% is. And we talked about this on one of our last podcasts, but being there live is where you can really tell mm-hmm. because the way Cody panders to the crowd, the way he gives those doe eyes to everyone, he does every single thing that WWE's ever done to make someone hate the top face in the company. He's doing all those things on purpose. Yeah, he called like, himself you, John Cena on you, air. Yeah, if you look at the Full Gear pay-per-view, he's in a tag match with Pac where he insists on tagging himself in Isn't constantly. Pac a heel? Like a jerk. No, Pac's a face now. He's like a bad yeah. good guy. Yeah. No, okay, yeah. So he's with an anti-hero. Yeah. And he insists on getting his shit in. If we look back at the Thanksgiving week dynamite, Cody did the exact opposite. He tagged in like once in the whole match, (laughs) barely did anything, and he cost his team the win. His character work right now is astounding. And you look at him behind the scenes, off TV, and he seems like the most genuine nice guy. And the fact that he's able to have this double life going on is truly astounding. I okay? really hope it is because he, when he removed his Twitter, I was like, "Oh, I really hope this is an angle." But I but really hope that, you're not just this that, sad. Even the fact that I mean that that could be real. Who knows? But even the fact that even right now you're like, "I don't know if this is real or not," is good. I mean, something worked. That <laughs> that shows you because if AW's taught us anything, it's that they know when to pull the plug on a bad storyline. They know yeah. what they're doing. And Cody Rhodes is at the epicenter of all this. We are getting the John Cena turning heel story. We always wanted, but never thought we were going to get. And the the guy who's making it work is Cody Rhodes. He's my Hell most yeah. underrated wrestler of the year. So go Cody. Yeah, go Cody. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in support of this. So Matt hasn't followed the independent scene too much, but I wanted uh, not to. Not at all. Yeah, but I wanted to give a quick shout out to my indie spotlight wrestler of the year, a guy who I had heard of, but I had never seen wrestle before 2021. He's currently recovering from a brutal sounding hip injury, mm. um, and he's going to be gone for a while, hoping he ends up in uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling full time. Mm-hmm. He's Chris Dickinson, the Dirty Daddy. Oh my God, Matt. He's, he's big. He's muscly. He's bald. He, he, he wears like a ripped up tank top to the ring and he's built like a, like a square. He's like, if he's like, if the, the red guy from inside out was a wrestler, he's steaming mad constantly. He has that sort of intangible, it factor charisma mm-hmm. that people look for. And I, I mean, the dude comes out and he's pouring sweat <laughs> just, oh, just instantly gushing. 
Yeah, he had some amazing matches this year against the likes of Minoru Suzuki. And uh, just his level of intensity and the passion he puts forth in every single match he has. Like, he is a guy to look out for. He's a guy where if I'm New Japan, I see him and I'm like, he's he is one of our main guys. He can fulfill yeah. that same, like, bruiser role that a guy like bruiser brody had back in the day this guy can do strikes he can do grapples he can do submissions he can do literally anything and i think the sign of a good wrestler is when you can have a captivating match on something that's extremely basic Mm -hmm. we went to a taping for new japan strong which is new japan's american show okay and he had a match against i'm pretty sure royce isaacs Okay. Super basic match. Both guys are talented, but it's very basic. And yet he puts so much passion, energy, playing to the crowd and everything he does. Like Chris Dickinson, I think is independent wrestling's biggest kept secret right now. Yeah. And I'm really hoping when travel restrictions to Japan someday die down that he can really just explode onto the scene because this guy is undeniable. And I'm telling you like within the next year or two, you're going to be hearing about Chris Dickinson and he's going to be continuing to knock everything out of the park. Like I hope he gets back and gets better ASAP uh, just because the wrestling world is better with him. Mm -hmm. and uh, he brings something to the plate that no one else is right now, and I guess I'm done gushing about Chris Dickinson, but Chris Dickinson is awesome, and anyone who's wondering about Chris Dickinson should go find a Chris Dickinson match and watch it now, and you will love him too. Chris Dickinson. Well, on to the next award. Oh, this oh, evening, also, we have also, the also, Mad real Exclusive. Quick, real nope, quick, hold nope, on. We're just move no, on. I'm, d- I'm done on. with Chris Dickinson. I'm done with Chris Dickinson. Do you have another I, oh, I just want to give a quick shout out to Darwin Finch from Wrestling Pro Wrestling. I think he's that promotion's best kept secret. He's a real zany character and they're not a real wrestling heavy promotion, but he's really carried the load of like intense wrestling matches there. And I I feel like he has a chance to really break out into his own thing. I, 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 I think he's doing like a mad scientist thing sort of right now or like or not mad scientist, but like school nerd scientist type, which is really comedic. I, I feel like if he can harness that energy and just push it like five percent in some other direction, like he would really be set up well for like a good run somewhere nationally. But I think he's someone in the SoCal indie scene that a lot of people are overlooking. And I think he can uh, uh, really, really do a lot. So shout out to Darwin Finch also. Now, Matt, for you, since you haven't followed indie wrestling, but you do follow mixed martial arts, I want to know who your MMA fighter of the year is. Because this is uh, some weird thing that Dave Meltzer does in the Wrestling Observer. Because since MMA modern mma came out of pro wrestling he also sort of covers mma as well so yeah it's it's always weird when i see his name on like an mma article 
Um, yeah. Yeah. So talking about MMA, um, we had a cool year. I think there was a lot of really good fights. Um, I have, I think, the person who is undeniably the fighter of the year. Um, I don't think there's anyone else you can give it to. So I'm going to talk about him last. Uh, I'm going to talk about my two other favorite fighters of the year. Well, these aren't really necessarily my two other favorite fighters. One of them is the other. Yeah. I'm talking about these two other guys because they're awesome. Say it. Uh, <laughs> Say it. These were just like my two other favorite like fights of the year. And one guy's really weird and the other one looks like Khabib. Um, uh, Yuri Protratska. Yuri Protratska is a truly a strange fighter. He like channels his chi in the like in matches. He stayed out of the UFC for like multiple years because he didn't feel like he had perfected his like powers yet, and like he hadn't perfected his ability. And now he's here, and now he's just beating the shit out of people. And he fought Dominic Reyes at the beginning, near the beginning of the year in May, and it was one of the most entertaining fights I have ever watched. He won by with a with like a spinning over the head elbow, and got up kick knocked out in the fourth round. Then got up, got to a grappling position, and then knocked out the guy who up who up kicked him unconscious. Uh, that's so, awesome. Yeah, that's Yuri Petraska. His fight with Dominic Reyes probably one of the most fun fights I've ever watched. Um, his fight with uh Vulcan uh I mean uh Vladimir o- or how do you. What the fuck? Volkov. Mom, I'm just going Vladimir. With Volkov Ozdemir was also incredibly entertaining. And I went back and watched his um, Law fight. I don't remember how to say this guy's name. Uh, Muhammad Law. It was a catchway fight and he kicked the shit out of him. It was awesome. Um, now, the other, my other pocket pick for the. Basically, this is my MMA rising star of the year is Cosmo uh, Chumayev. He recently, let me tell you, he had a he had like a one minute fight, Ben, against this guy who's notoriously like incredibly strong and muscular. He okay. walked out, got like a, a a takedown on the guy, like a double underhook takedown, walked him across the ring, yelled at Dana White to put his cell phone down, slammed the dude on the ground in front of him, and then grappled the shit out of him, muscled him into a rear naked choke and choked him unconscious in front of him. That's awesome. And this is all within like a minute. This wasn't like a long, a very long fight in the slightest. And it was just this man just utterly smashing this dude for maybe, what, like three and a half minutes of just pure, unadulterated destruction. Um, and it was fantastic. So he's my, he's my, he's my number two, my rising star. I think he's like Khabib, but better. Um, I don't know if he has the discipline or the calm, uh, but he's better is like a dangerous. Yeah. Well, cause he's the same style. He's, he has Khabib in his camp. He's a Dagestani wrestler. He's rest, He does wrestling Sambo just like Khabib does, but he's a more complete fighter. Um, that's scary. It is terrifying. Um, I think he legitimately has a chance to be one of the greatest fighters of all time. Uh, and he's unoffend. He's undef- And he's. I don't. I think he's only lost once. Um, I don't have his record in front of me. But the man whose record I do have in front of me is undeniably the pound for pound UFC 
MMA fighter in the world right now. The most and dominant welterweight. Junior Dos Santos, my pick for MMA fighter of the year because I saw oh. him wrestle at full gear and he did pretty well. So my MMA that fighter was actually, of the year. I was genuinely blown away by his performance at full <laughs> he gear. Did, he did really well, yeah. And they took bumps like through tables and shit. Yeah, my 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 runner-up for MMA Fighter of the Year is Wardlow because he did that mock MMA match against Jake Hager. Didn't you know Jake like Hager did June? like a, Jake Hager did like real MMA matches? I don't know if he did any in twenty twenty. Yeah, though. yeah, I I know, but he still ranks below Wardlow <laughs> as my as my runner-up MMA Fighter of the Year. Well, despite he did, that, he did a Hurricane Rana. He did. He did the cage. Well, a man who could probably beat the living shit out of Junior Dos Santos, the greatest welterweight in the world, potentially the greatest welterweight of all time, Kamara Usman. Oh, I've heard of him. Undefeated, has won three fights this year. He utterly devastated Gilbert Burns by showing you exactly how shifting to a jab-based combat style and having probably the hardest jab in the UFC can just win you a fight. And he punched the living shit out of Gilbert Burns and it was hilarious because Gilbert Burns is a big human baby even though he could rip my arms off. The next and probably his best knockout of the year, definitely his best knockout of the year, not his best performance though, was when he fought George Masvidal and he clean cut knocked him unconscious. He devastated that man across the ring. There's literally a photo of him getting hit so hard, his sweat made a halo above his head momentarily. Wow. It's one of the greatest MMA photos I've ever seen. And then, not only that, after those two fights, he fought a third time this year where he beat Colby Colby Covington in their rematch by unanimous decision. And managed to make Colby Covington look like a worse fighter than Colby Covington is. Damn. Colby Covington is a piece of shit. And the character he plays is at least. But he's a fantastic fighter. And genuinely an impressive fighter. I wanted him to lose. And he did. Um, it was a close decision. But Kamaru Usman to me took that fight. Um, it was 25 minutes of unadulterated combat. On an already absolutely stacked ufc card um which i'll arbitrarily give my card of the year um because it had the three best main card fights of justin gaethje versus michael chandler chandler amanda nunez versus Li Zheng too and uzman versus covington too uh, my female mma fighter of the year is rose nama nunez because she's incredible and valentine oh, yeah, i mean valentine is also a destroyer yeah, yeah, there's no real competition there. It, well, like it's it's Rose me. and it's Valentina. It's like yeah. to me, those are the two best. Amanda's just I'm, the I'm, most powerful I'm a casual MMA UFC fan, and even I know that. So yeah, it was a good evening. All right, well let's let's blaze through this one. Uh, one yeah, of my favorite we're, wrestling. This observer. is a, a succinct podcast. Yes, yeah, succinct. We're like halfway through. Yeah, um, most disgusting through. promotional tactic of the year, which is one of my favorite wrestling observer newsletter awards. I feel like we have the same one here, which is WWE's mass firings of people. Yeah, that was disgusting. Yeah. I, well, okay, I mean, it's that that's that's one of my most disgusting ones here. Also, the um, the uh, Bob Art death match explosion. 
That's not that's not a disgusting promotional tactic though. That's a yeah. that's a pyrotechnics. Your your thing just said most concerns. disgusting moment of the year. I mean that's still the opposite of disgusting. I don't know. I thought um, it was pretty bad. It, anyway, WWE firing. Yeah, it was the most all these people into into what's now an overflowing wrestling job market, like. Like that's why I'm worried for guys like Chris Dickinson who's out with an injury right now because like I I want them to like get consistent solid work you know it feels like, like, like this for, was done like on for purpose them, in my opinion like for them so they can have a steady income and for me so I continue to like watch them do their work you know selfishly yeah my conspiracy um, theory is this is all like some like 4D it, I don't know if it's a good move but like an intentionally orchestrated. Uh, mass release of wrestlers that they hoarded to try to flood the market and uh, and destabilize the competition i think it's like an intentional move i think it's very very poorly done and i also get the the argument of them slimming up the company just to sell it but i genuinely think there's someone in that office who's who has a mindset that believes this is like a tactical move that's gonna win wwe the war Matt, this is the same company that right now thinks that Tony Khan is buying tickets for their Long Island show next week, and that's the only reason why it's outselling Raw. That's fucking awesome. I didn't know they believed that. Holy shit. Moving on, uh, all the other awards from here on out are positive ones. Guilty pleasure of the year. Matt, I don't know if you have one for this, but this is just something we're like... Just something cool or fun that you want to give a shout out. For me, my guilty pleasure of the year is MLW, Major League Wrestling. I've started okay. watching it this year with their rebooted MLW Fusion weekly show. Okay. And it's... The, the shows are not always good. Okay. But I prefer watching MLW to watching Impact Wrestling because MLW feels more independent and I feel like they take themselves more seriously. Mm-hmm. Impact Wrestling, when I watch it, they're still in the small sound stages, which just feels bad. And I also feel like there's a self awareness of how small time they are at this point. Whereas with MLW, they try to do everything that the big boys do. They have their own version of war games, but it's in like one cage. They have their own tournaments, their own version of the Royal Rumble. And it's still very small time, but I I feel like I feel like the fact that they treat themselves so seriously makes me want to root for them more, if that makes sense. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. It, they're, it, it, they're, they have it, a, it's a heart. Yeah, it's a very raw show. I don't even know if it's heart that it has. I feel like it's just... I feel like it's unblemished, maybe. That's the word. Where Impact Wrestling has a lot more of the fourth wally type i'm a zombie i'm not actually a zombie i'm gonna kill you and like that's just fine yeah it's it's just fun but with mlw it's like this is straight wrestling we're gonna pretend like this is the biggest promotion in the world and you have some really good guys on that roster alex hammerstone who's like this big cornball meathead with some hulk hogan vibes he's really cool 
Um, Richard Holiday, who was with Hammerstone and MJF when he was in MLW, he has this great signature pose where he comes out, dramatically raises his finger up to his earbuds, his AirPods, and he taps them to start and end a call. That's how he comes out for his that's entrance. A, that's beautiful. Yeah, is he just has a call on his way to the ring. And of course, Jacob Fatu, who is essentially between him and Hammerstone, they're the two aces of the company. You have uh, Dario Cueto or or whatever his new um, over his new name on MLW is, which Cesar Duran. That's it. Who's an amazing actor who really elevates anyone he's on screen with. The wrestling is rarely amazing on MLW, but that's not really what it's for. It's just watching new characters get out there, try their stuff, see what works, see what doesn't. I just have a lot of fun watching it on Fridays at like midnight. So if you have some extra time, just watch MLW. It's fun. I'll definitely check it out. We'll have to watch it on a, on a movie night or something, Ben. Yeah, yeah. It's so just relaxing comfort food. It's like it's the pizza rolls of wrestling. Yeah. Like, I really like it, and I really hope they do a show out in L.A. sometime soon. All right. Well, shout out to MLW. Everyone go check them out. Uh, my guilty pleasure of the year is the WWE commentary, because uh, that <laughs> shit is so ridiculous. It is vintage man yeah i love it It, it's so much he just planted this ranking system here boom tremendous maneuver boom one two no near fall thank you i just like to remind everyone that later on tonight we have the scottish psychopath drew mcintyre defending his wwe world heavyweight championship against the almighty bobby lashley with mvp in his corner and it will be inside a 16 foot high steel cage live tonight on monday night raw sponsored by snickers my other underrated pick of the year is Serpentico and Luther. I think they're the great second, second best tag team okay, in AEW. Okay. Can I talk about how awesome Luther and Serpentico are? Yeah, go ahead, Ben. I'll I'll, I'll I, give you I'll give you two minutes because okay. this podcast is already an hour long. I'm sorry. Oh my god, I All love right. Luther and Serpentico though. Okay, I'll, you got I'll two be minutes. quick about I'll be quick about this. The fact that their tag team is Luther beating people up with his tag partner, Serpinico, is great. Luther just screaming his way to the ring is awesome. It's the best thing in the wrestling. It, I, I, like, I died laughing the first time I saw that. I didn't think it was going to be real. Yeah, they are like the show closers for a lot of AEW's live shows, and I think they're great. They are the house band. That's how they yeah. call themselves is the house band. And they're awesome at what they do. They get beat up by the bad guys. They make them look good doing it. Yep. Also, huge shout out to the wingmen. Peter Avalon, uh, Hollywood Hunk, Ryan Nemeth, um, J.D. Drake, who's awesome, and Cesar Bononi. They're also awesome in a very similar way. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the One Step Above Enhancement Talent crew on AEW are some of my favorite people. Um, yeah he has in, he in has company he has my favorite uh serpentico has my favorite record in aw of five and 39 
or Hell 12 yeah, and 53. Uh, right Ruth next is Sean Dean, Captain Sean Dean, who's 3 and 39, and I've literally never heard of him. He's only been on Dark. He also handles uh, booking uh, enhancement talent for the shows. Okay. Um, yeah, also, he's fun fact, Dr. Luther has a YouTube series about cryptids and mysteries. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Best promo guy of the year, Matt. Who do you got? Who's the best on the microphone on this stick? Well, so it's hard to pick one person. I think I think the best person throughout the whole year is MJF. But okay. he doesn't have my favorite promo of the year. My favorite promo of the year is one of the few promos that uh, I'd constitute as a true human moment. Um, it's like seeing a band get a real encore, like not one that's like kind of like the planned, like we're going to take a few, like a quick two minute break and then come back out like a real genuine crowd demanding you to keep going. And that's CM Punk and his return at uh, rampage. Um, one of the most genuinely heartfelt promos I've ever seen with a, with a secret actual pick of it being Tony Khan's promo that he cut to the Chicago crowd. Um, cause I thought that man was going to ball with tears. Tony I've never, Khan is the I've man. never seen such a genuine person like him and punk. It was back to back. One of the most genuine nights of professional wrestling I've ever seen in my entire life. Like it was genuinely like a moving moment in sports entertainment. Um, watching like watching both of them deliver like very human, like very, like laid bare to the crowd moments was genuinely yeah. the, I think the best thing, like d- despite how good MJF is and how witty and quick of a talker he is, nothing can compare to that. And putting him in the ring with CM Punk was a great move, but that still doesn't take my top pick because it wasn't as genuine of a moment. Yeah. I, so my thing with CM Punk is that that is one of the best moments in wrestling of the last decade, mm-hmm. but you know, using my fiance as a barometer after like the fifth week he came out and he was like, Hey, are y'all bored of me being a good guy yet? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I am. Oh yeah. I don't think he's the best promo of the year. I think he had the single best moment. Well, well, this is the best on promos of the year. So for you, that would be MJF. Reluctantly. Okay. That's fair. For, for me, it's going to be Eddie Kingston. Yeah. We already talked about him a lot. For, for me, I thought about who had consistently my best promos of the year, best promo segments. Eddie was in virtually all of them. Yeah, right. And it was, it was who made me most excited consistently mm-hmm. for a wrestling match. That was Eddie Kingston or another man who I'll get to later on in the list. Ooh. But yeah, Eddie, Eddie Kingston's the man for me. But we already talked about him, so we can move on to our match of the year, Matt. Ooh, what do you this, have here? Is this singles or tag team? Either. I, this is both. Uh, both wow. No, I, do I, ha- I do have I a have singles different match answers. of the year. Okay, well, I also have them. Um, my, my top singles match of the year was Eddie Kingston versus CM Punk from yep. Full Gear. Same, yep. buddy. That's my pick Ten, as well. 10 minute sprint just <laughs> it like that matches everything that anyone who's ever watched pro wrestling would like yeah like any like, you wa- show like the build up to that match in that match itself you get it 
That is everything a pro wrestling match should be distilled into 10 minutes. That is perfection. Yeah. It was it was like an indie fever dream. It like it made me it's it's one of the few matches that made me feel like I was at the show. Like it, that's that, how captivating the performances were. Like I felt like I was there. Like it felt the same as watching like a five-star match in a tiny indie ring, like event. What felt special for me in that match is it felt more like you were watching a sport mm-hmm. where it's like in Kenny versus Hangman later in the night, everyone wants Hangman to win, yeah. right? There's not like a battle there. In CM Punk and Eddie Kingston, the crowd was fighting each other. Yeah. Over, hey, no, we freaking want Eddie to win right now. Like we want to will this forward. There was a, there was it, like this internal struggle within the crowd over who to cheer for. It, it was visceral. It was gritty. Like that match is everything that people wonder what should a wrestling match be. Yep. Just watch that match. That is essentially a perfect match. My other match of the year, my tag match of the year, and the one that I would probably say has to rank above Punk versus Eddie, even though I myself probably love Punk versus Eddie more is Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks in a cage match from All Out 2021. We're predictable. Same pick again. But I, it very well might be the greatest tag team match of all time and the greatest cage match of all time. Yeah, it was definitely the greatest cage match of all time. I, I will 100% give it that honor. I, I Cage matches in general are overrated. True. But... Well, they I, used I mean, it. I, I mean, they did everything. Like... When they ramped like, up the brutality, they had that the loose cage as well. It felt v- so visceral. It felt so desperate. Ray Phoenix's dive from the top of the cage was legendary. I have I took a photo of it and I have a shirt of it. Hell, Hell yeah. yeah. Um, it's just wow. Like what a what a performance. Yep. Just uh, that's the other side of wrestling. If you want athletic high-flying but still with storytelling and blood and guts you look at lucha brothers versus young bucks both of those matches are like each end of the spectrum of what is a perfect wrestling match well actually i so i have another i have another and i think it's a three-prong triangle of perfection okay i think the other prong is the is exemplified by the brian danielson kenny omega match yeah that was great too um that to me is the best version of wrestling that 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 that's like big fight feel boxing vibes yeah well as like an as an mma like i mean it sounds really pretentious but as like an mma fan like the thing i appreciate the most when i watch like a very fantastically done pro wrestling match is when they can sell injury damage they can make the the tension feel more real and more immersive. Um, and there's few people that can do that. Like Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega or, and also Brian, Brian Danielson. And um, oh, I'm going to say his name wrong. The uh, old man, Minoru Suzuki, Minoru Suzuki. Yeah. God, that match was awesome too. Those, those two were, are, are to me though, those, those two Brian Danielson, because I think Brian Danielson's probably one of the best people at that style of wrestling um, when he's given the right opportunity to display that talent. Um, and Kenny Omega's probably the, maybe the second best 
if not the best at it. Um, it's genuinely, it's genuinely super captivating. It, it goes beyond like big man athletics. Like that's, that's why I wouldn't put Kenny, Kenny, um, Adam page above that because Adam page to me had like when he's fighting in like big story matches has a much more big guy. I don't know how else to describe it. Like big man wrestling. Um, and his, his style for me is great, but, and it's like the, it's like the original, but I think the Kenny is more of a Memphis style brawly wrestler. Mm hmm. Whereas Kenny is more of a Japanese hybrid. And then Danielson is like a Japanese European hybrid wrestler. He's he's like Japanese and Dutch. There's not really a Dutch wrestling scene. No, I meant like Dutch in his fighting style. Oh, sure. He's got like a Dutch vibe to him. I would know. Yeah, you're an expert on the Dutch. I don't know any of that fake shit. Yeah. All right. So moving on. All right, yeah, moving on. I uh, we can run through these two. Feud of the year and show of the year, man. Okay. My my feud of the year uh, it sounds a little obvious, but it's the end to the long story arc of Hangman Page versus the Elite. Yeah, it was uh, the uh, best storytelling thing of all time. The actual best feud is Co- is Cody Rhodes versus the fans. Yeah, also there is the no storyline greater than something that's also, actually working the entire internet. Also in the running for this for me, my uh, backup pick was Miro versus God <laughs> as feud of the year. I think that's great. Also, yeah. Uh, my show of the year, my my personal favorite was Double or Nothing twenty twenty one, but All Out twenty twenty one is like the okay. WrestleMania seventeen of the new generation. So, Agreed, hundred percent. There's nothing yeah. that compares. So let's go to our top three of the year: Tag Team of the Year, Women's Wrestler of the Year, Men's Wrestler of the Year. My tag team of the year is the tag team that I think is the greatest tag team of all time, and that's the Young Bucks. Wow, okay. Yeah, I, I think that when everything's going to be said and done, people are going to look at the Young Bucks as like, okay, these were the guys. They're going to look at them for tag teams the same way people look at Rock and Austin in a way. Because if you look at tag teams historically – it's really, you look at the Rock and Roll Express and the LOD mm-hmm. and then Hardy's, you know, Edge and Christian and the Dudleys. Those are really the top five tag teams people always go back to and look yeah. at. And when you look at them, LOD really weren't great workers. They mm-hmm. just actually beat the shit out of people. Edge and Christian were a great tag team, but they didn't have a super long run. Christian's underrated. The Dudley boys ha- had lots of bad years in them yeah more bad than good rock and rolls were legitimately awesome hardy's were legitimately awesome but they also honestly their main run was really like 99 to 2001 like two three years maybe it wasn't very long so if we're talking longevity it would be rock and roll express number one i think yeah and then the young bucks like, I appreciate every single moment against. you have with, with the Young Bucks. But, like, I feel like this was one of their signature years where they finally got to be, like, themselves on a big stage. They got to do their full gimmick. Yeah, the full ridiculous Deadpool nonsense. Yeah. 
So in lieu of just saying the same pick, and I, I think the second obvious pick um, is Penta uh, is Penta and Ray Phoenix, the uh, Lucha Brothers. Um, they're some of the best wrestlers out there. My actual favorite, I think the two guys who I love to see in a match together more than almost anyone is Santana and Ortiz. Yo, they're awesome. I, I genuinely, they were my fit. They were one of my favorite parts of, of full gear this year. Um, if, if it, wasn't, they're genuinely incredible wrestlers. If it wasn't for their FT, for the FTR injury, derailing that feud and mm-hmm. also Chris Jericho hogging the spotlight. Yeah. Like, I think they would have had a much better year. I think 2022 is going to be their year. I, I think they're awesome. So. They just didn't get a real shot to show that off this year. But I, wanna, I do agree I want, with you. They're really good. I want them in a long, brutal feud with the Lucha Brothers. That would be I, awesome. I, I want like three matches. Like I want like three matches of hell. Like they legitimately just I think escalate they actually shit. feuded with each other in Impact where they essentially did that. Well, they should do it again because they're fucking awesome. Yeah, they awesome. should do that again because I, I remember watching one of those matches. It was great. See, I want I want them to end that feud in something bigger than a steel cage. Like, I want something – I want, like, a scary match. Cause, no, because anything bigger than a cage has never really ended well. I know, but they, got, they can do something to increase the stakes. Like, I want them in a death match on AEW. Yeah, let's do like it. Like a barbed wire, like – two like they exploding go ring death match. yeah i want the second exploding ring death match to be a tag team match tornado style so they don't have to tag in and they just go for like 11 like 11 minutes like maybe maybe 12 and it is just honestly i i wouldn't want an exploding ring death match yeah. but like a regular barbed wire death match without the explosions yeah, I think like I think that would work better because it'd be like, all right, you think you're tough? Yeah, like let's fuck around. Like I want like a match where like, all right, let's go fuck around. Like yeah. like like where like you go into it and you're like, yeah, like when the when the Kenny when the Kenny one happened, it was like, yeah, this is violent and cool and intense, but like I wasn't like afraid. <laughs> Right. I want I want some Tanner well, Ortiz and the Butcher Brothers to make me afraid. If you look at the Omega Moxley match from Full Gear 2019, which was a lights out match, yes, they they did go for it, and it was oh, yeah. really uncomfortable. It was awesome. It was like that. That my other most disco- like if if we went with like hard to watch but like very entertaining moments of the year, it was Chris Jericho's death match. That shit was that awesome. Was awesome. That shit was legitimately fucked up, and I love seeing watched, it. I watched Nick Gage fight a, a woman like a month after that. That was that was brutal. Yeah, I don't know if I want to watch that one. Anyway. All right, uh, moving on. Yeah, that's what I want. That's Santana Ortiz, my official pick. Let's move on to Female Wrestler of the Year. I guarantee you, I no one else has the pick that I have. All right, Matt. let's hear it. Uh, my so my backup pick for Woman of the Year was Bianca Belair. She had a oh. really strong year that got incredibly derailed by Becky Lynch going over her in like thirty seconds at SummerSlam. You mean just the um, worst booking in the industry? Yeah. In terms of someone who is consistent, every time I saw her, always managed to get the crowd on her side, and just buckets full of charisma. 
My female wrestler of the year was Ryo Mizunami. Yeah. Yeah, she had she was great early in 2021 oh, with Rio. the women's title eliminator tournament in Japan mm-hmm. where she won. She had a hell of a match with Nyla Rose. She went on to have a great match with Sheeta at Revolution. Then in her second run here, since coming back to the U.S., she's been mainly in tag matches, but she's been a highlight. She gets all her spots in. Everyone really likes her. I just really like Ryo Mizunami, and everyone's Mm going to disagree with me, but that's okay because I think Ryo Mizunami can and should be one of the main cornerstones of the women's division in AEW. So fight me. I, I don't even need to fight you. I mostly agree with you. But my my pick of the year is Thunder Rosa. I think she's one of the best wrestlers. I think she's better wrestler than Britt Brit, Brit Baker. I don't like Britt Baker as a wrestler. I think she's kind of boring. Yeah, I was um, going to say, uh, Britt Baker has, uh, has really been starting to disappoint in her big matches. She yep. had sort of a flat match with Riho on Rampage the other week, which astounded me. Like, it is impossible. Yeah. To have a meh match you, with you can Riho. You can if, you look, if you're Britt Baker. Um, yeah, so Thunder Rose is my number one pick. She's, she's awesome. She's a fantastic, dynamic, really hard-hitting wrestler. Um, I think her match with Britt Baker, um, I think it was on Elevation. They're, they're the dark. They're like uh, no-holds-barred match they did. Lights out match. Yeah, lights out. That was fucking awesome. Yeah, in a realistic world, I, I feel like Thunder Rosa would probably have been my pick. But I just like Rio, Rio too yeah. much, and 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 I think she's the probably one of, if not the most underrated person on AEW's roster. Yeah. So my, big shout out. Yeah, my 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 sub my 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 sub pick is Ty Conti, and then Layla Hirsch. Yeah, Layla Hirsch is great too. I want to see more of her in 2022. Um. All right, let's end this short podcast out strong, Matt. Yeah, this is succinct, refined. Succinct. Who is your wrestler of the year? That is a very hard pick. Um, I, I again, I think, I think as I said earlier with my underrated pick, I think taking into the context of like the whole situation, the information and like the tools being given to work with, the opportunity to express themselves, the best wrestler of the year is Roman Reigns. Really? No, I'm fucking with you. It's Kenny Omega. <laughs> <laughs> There's I was I, I I was like I wouldn't have really disagreed with you. I know, he's done right? A great job. But yeah, Kenny Omega had a hell of a year. I, yeah. I mean, all timer really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he 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 did some things that like no one else has pulled off. Um, he was part of one of the best long term pieces of storytelling. Of all time. Um, of all time. I think he made Adam Page look better, which I think Adam Page already looked like a fantastic wrestler. Um, but he made Adam Page look incredible. I think he's the only reason that storyline works. Him and the rest of the elite, you know, not to take anything away from the Bucks or um, the dude with the cold spray. I think Kenny Omega is the number one man pushing wrestling into the future. Yeah. He's propelling it with his shoulders yeah. and he's lifting it up. Um, he's he's perfect. He He's pretty amazing, Matt, but he's not my wrestler of the year. Is it Angelico? 
It's not Angelico, although Angelico is great. It If this year started in September, my wrestler of the year without question would have been Brian Danielson. Yeah, well. <laughs> I, I know that me having Rio Mizunami is my pick for women of the year sort of feels like it negates this because he was fine in WWE too, but at least with Mizunami, she's been really strong in Japan also. Mm-hmm. Danielson was radio silent for several months. His WWE stuff has not was not as good as his AW stuff pound for pound. Within the last like two or three months since debuting in AW, Brian Danielson has had potentially the greatest wrestling run I have ever seen from any pro wrestler. I think Brian Danielson is probably the best wrestler on planet Earth right now. He's able to mesh with anyone's style. He's able to do anything that anyone wants of him. He can turn heel or face on the drop yep. of a dime. He makes it feel real. I I, I think and he's, that he's been winning in different ways. If he's Brian like Danielson, showing off as an as a person, and it's oh. Look, I didn't see a lot of Brian Danielson stuff before he joined with WWE, but if he keeps this up another year, another two years, he could very well be the greatest wrestler of all time. 100 percent. I, I mean I, I mean kenny omega is pushing wrestling forward but if you're looking for someone who's perfected wrestling yeah, right here right yep. now you look at brian danielson with that said he's the archetype with that said that's only been for a few months if i'm looking at the whole year start to finish my wrestler of the year is miro oh okay i see it i think miro is on the greatest monster heel run of the past 30 years mm-hmm. i outside of kane probably his promos are because you gotta look at the whole package right his yeah. matches are really good the storytelling in them is amazing his promos are otherworldly he is checking every single box he makes everyone in the ring he's with better and the thing that really put it over the top for me is while he was tnt champion when he would come out for matches like it was on like you felt like yeah. this is important it felt like you were about to watch blood sport or something that's something that not even the AEW world title matches have been able to do for me and miro did that and that's because miro is an amazing wrestler he's been one of the most consistent wrestlers of 2021 he completely reinvented himself he completely reinvented what a monster heel can and should be Completely grew into himself, has worked with all sorts of styles of wrestlers. Miro is my wrestler for 2021. Well, boom, there it is. And an honorable mention to Adam Cole, a man who managed to make WWE mildly entertaining while he was still there. Yeah, uh, but Miro. Miro Miro is the best. Miro's awesome. Miro number one. Miro day. Happy Miro day. Happy Miro day, everybody. And happy Miro Day when it's the fourth time's a charm. Good night, never I'm exhausted. Good afternoon. Yo, Matt Beautiful. Cardona just sent me a Facebook message. Who did? Matt Cardona. The oh, sack shit. Rider. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know who Matt Cardona is. I, I, uh, 
I bought a uh, Matt Cardona branded uh, hot sauce. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I hope it's good. Bring it on the trip. He's, yeah, he's sending me a, a signed something or other because <laughs> because I bought it. Send me a link. Do this promo promote Matt Cardona's hot sauce. No, it's already <laughs> sold out now. I, w- I was one of the last people oh, to buy it, which is damn. why he was sending stuff. He's like, hey, last seven people to buy this. Damn. So oh. he's, uh, talk about rising star of the year. Matt Cardona should be up there for his work on the indies. I, I didn't say rising indie- star, but he's also not my indie spotlight. But I, I, well, I feel my- like Cardona is is like the king of the indies right now, though. 